This is episode 114 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share with you that I created a brand new free prenatal pelvic floor resource for you. It's a free ebook with three common misconceptions when it comes to preparing your pelvic floor for birth and includes three tips of what to do instead. If you're pregnant or know someone who is, this resource is key for preparing for birth. The tips I share are what I teach and have worked through with hundreds of prenatal physiotherapy clients and I use myself with both of my pregnancies. Also, a bonus is that two of these tips will also give you a head start on your postpartum recovery by understanding how to connect to your pelvic floor before you even give birth. You can go to the link in the show notes for this episode at tobirthandbeyond.com or to my website, holistichealthphysio.com to download your free ebook today. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. Today's episode is very relevant to what's happening in the world right now. It's a recording of an Instagram Live I did five days ago on March 25th, 2020, with Dr. Kate Gerster, who's an obstetrician here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. She answered your questions about COVID-19 in relation to pregnancy, labor, and postpartum. A reminder that this is general information only, and depending on where you live in the world, the recommendations may differ, and to always check with your care provider for information specific to you. Also, stay tuned for another Instagram Live that I'll be doing with Dr. Kate Gerster later in April, since the information that we receive around COVID-19, around the topics of pregnancy, labor, and postpartum, continue to be updated and change as the days go on. For those of you who are new, my name is Anita Lambert, and I'm a pregnancy, postpartum, and pelvic health physiotherapist. And I'm really excited because tonight uh, joining me is going to be Dr. Kate Gerster, who is an OBGYN here in Peterborough, Ontario, where I'm located. And I know a lot of people, a lot of pregnant people have been having questions about um, different things around COVID-19, different questions, so whether related to pregnancy, uh, labor, or postpartum. Um, so I'm really glad Dr. Gerster can be on. So she'll be answering general questions around those three topics. And we actually had quite a few questions already sent in over the last couple of days. So I have those with me um, to ask uh, Dr. Gerster. Um, but also feel free, you'll see down here, uh, the question box. You can ask questions while we're live as well. And um, we'll see how many uh, that she can get to. And you can also find um, Dr. Gerster and three of the other OBGYNs here in Peterborough 
over on their page, um, Evolve Women's Healthcare. Um, so be sure we'll put that in um, after as well so you can find her there. They've been posting lots of great things as well as um, Partners in Pregnancy, which is a um, center with GPs who do obstetrics here in Peterborough as well. So they have a fantastic page as well as the midwives here in Peterborough. So, hi, how are you? <laughs> How's your evening? Pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Um, this is great. Thank you so much for coming on. I know um, a lot of my pregnant clients have been getting great information from their care providers here in Peterborough. Um, and you being one of them, I know right now you're on mat leave. Um, but I know a lot of people in the area have questions. Um, so we'll get to the ones that have been asked. But before we get to that, if you're okay sharing just a bit about yourself before we get into the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm one of the OBGYNs at Evolved Women's Healthcare which although the name is new, um, two of my colleagues have actually been practicing in Peterborough for um, a while now. So many of you might know Dr. Christine Dallaire, Dr. Susie Packingham, I work with them, um, and Dr. Aliyah Hazen, who's currently covering my practice while I'm on maternity leave. Um, I've been here in Peterborough just since last January, so still pretty new to town, but liking it a lot. It's a great group at the hospital and great uh, bunch of obstetricians. Um, and before coming to Peterborough, I did my training in Hamilton at McMaster University. And I'm on maternity leave. I've got two young kids. <laughs> awesome. I didn't realize you went to Mac. Um, I feel like we have a lot of Mac grads in um, healthcare here in Peterborough. I went to Mac as well. And that's awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. So why don't we, we'll jump into the first question. And we also wanted to mention before we get started, um, that these answers are for general, they're general answers um, that we really want you to ask your specific care provider, um, especially also if you're not here in Peterborough, that perhaps the recommendations in your area or where you're planning to give birth um, may be different. So just to make sure to check with your care provider um, and take, the, take this information as general uh, information. Um, so the first question was, are there risks for my baby if I get COVID-19 while I'm pregnant? I'm in my first trimester. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to preface pretty well everything I'm going to say tonight with the fact that COVID-19 is really new. So we're learning lots about it all the time. I actually saw a really neat article recently about how just how quickly we're gaining new information about COVID-19 faster than we probably have for a lot of diseases, but it's still really new. Um, and our experience with COVID-19 in pregnant women is necessarily limited. We don't have really great quality scientific studies. We just have reports from women, um, largely from China, because that's where it started, who were pregnant and had the virus. Um, that said, everything we have from those reports would suggest that there is not um, any significant risk to pregnancies in the first trimester. There doesn't seem to be an increased risk of miscarriage associated with getting COVID-19 in your first trimester. Um, and there also does not seem to be an increased risk of birth defects or other complications in pregnancies that continue on for women who get COVID in the first trimester. Awesome. That's, I think, really helpful to know because I know we have a few questions from people who are in different trimesters. So I think it's helpful to know um, the differences or the similarities or that there may not be as much of a difference between them. So actually, that was it. That's the second question is, are there different precautions I should take in my third trimester? So not really, no. Um, 
everyone in any trimester should be social distancing. That's the number one thing that you can do to minimize your risk of getting COVID is staying home as much as possible. If you're going home, making sure you're staying at least six feet away from, you know, anybody that you encounter, trying to go out only for necessary things. Um, and then I know it's not glamorous, right? But washing your hands really thoroughly at least 20 seconds or using a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol, um, covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze, that sort of stuff. Try not to touch your face. It's not fancy, but these things really work to the extent that we work hard at them and are consistent. And yes, it's really, really hard to stop touching your face. You could probably count how many times I'll touch my face just in the course of this Instagram live. But do the best you can. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing I'll say for the third trimester is that um, if you're not already off work or working from home, it might make sense to stop going into work around 35 weeks because that would give you a couple of weeks to isolate, um, to isolate really well before likely you go into labor. And that minimizes the chance that you need to take additional precautions when you're in the hospital or that you... Um, are sick in labor and potentially infect your baby. So that yeah. may be your healthcare provider about if you're not already working from home or off of work for some other reason. That's, I think, really helpful, especially, yeah, thinking of that right near the end, going into birth and then um, depending where you're giving birth. Um, the next question was, yeah, so this is from um, someone who lives in Peterborough area who's planning to give birth at PRHC, which is the hospital here. And um, she wrote, I'm due at the end of May. Should I have fear going to PRHC to have my baby because of COVID-19? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it's really understandable to feel anxious. There's a lot of new information coming out and sometimes some scary sounding information and all of our lives have changed quite a bit because of COVID-19. It would also be a bit weird if you were just feeling like this is the status quo and I'm totally casual and chill about it. Um, and you know also to add that we know pregnancy is a high risk time for worry and anxiety and mental health in general. So I will just say I encourage anybody who feels like they're experiencing more than just them occasional appropriate worries, but really feel like it's getting out of hand to talk to their healthcare provider because there are some great mental health resources out there, even though we're trying to not see people in person as much these days. Um, but in terms of just the reality of giving birth at PRHC, the hospital has done a ton of stuff to prepare for COVID-19 and to protect women who are coming in to give birth, newborn babies, partners of women who are coming to give birth, healthcare providers, and really just minimize the spread of the virus um, to make coming into the hospital as safe as possible. Um, you can actually go to the PRHC website, prhc.ln.ca, and there is a COVID-19 page, and you can actually see it's updated quite regularly. The most recent update was today. Um, just some of the measures that they put into place to protect all of us against COVID-19. And this is not an exhaustive list, but things like screening every single person who enters the hospital, patients, visitors, healthcare providers, limiting visitors, development of new policies for the hospital in general and labor and delivery in particular around the protective equipment that staff will wear. Um, so that said, I mean, I think it's pretty normal and appropriate to feel a bit nervous, but know that your team at the hospital is working really hard to make things absolutely as safe as possible for everyone who does come to the hospital.
Mm -hmm. I think that's super helpful and the resource too. Um, and I mentioned off the top, also your page is excellent. The Evolve Women's Healthcare page um, that you're doing great posts on there. So I highly recommend if you want to, you know, keep checking in because every day you're posting great information that's, that's up to date with what's going on right now. So our next question is um, from someone who is in their second trimester. And they asked, or they said, I've heard some people are not having in-person prenatal visits anymore and are having them done online with their doctor. Is this likely to happen everywhere? So certainly nobody in Peterborough is completely eliminating in-person prenatal visits. I can't speak to everywhere in the province or the country. What we're doing at Evolve, as well as um, I know some of the midwifery groups and I think partners in pregnancy as well, is spacing out prenatal visits, in-person prenatal visits for women with low-risk pregnancies. We can't completely eliminate in-person visits. There's a lot of stuff that we do at a prenatal that we can't do over the phone, like listen to your baby's heartbeat, measure your belly, take your blood pressure. Um, but the World Health Organization actually has a suggested schedule for prenatal visits for low-risk women. This is not COVID-specific. This has existed since 2015. Um, and we do more prenatal visits than they think is strictly necessary in Canada. So we're just dialing back to what the World Health Organization recommends for low-risk women and supplementing that with phone check-ins. Um, what I'll just say is, you know, if you're not due for a visit for a little while, but you feel like something's going on, something's got you worried, never hesitate to contact your healthcare provider. It's a starting point of a schedule. If you need more frequent visits, that will happen. And certainly women who have high-risk pregnancies are not going to be following this schedule necessarily anyway. Um, so don't think, oh my goodness, I'm not supposed to come back for two weeks. What are we going to do? You could always call us and we can make arrangements if you need to touch base or be seen more frequently. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been great. See, and I'm touching my face. Um, that, um, a lot of my prenatal clients, because right now physiotherapists also pretty much across the board are not seeing people in person. And that's been the last couple of weeks. We've been doing only online virtual appointments. Um, and all my pregnant clients this week have mentioned they've been really happy with getting up-to-date information just before their next appointment because they said, you know, from the receptionist with whether they're with an OB or with Pipsy or with the midwives, things could change in terms of how their appointment will work out. Um, so I know a lot of people have been getting that information like just before their appointment. So I think that's great in terms of check with your specific care provider. And it sounds like everyone is, is getting up-to-date information before that actual next appointment. Yeah, really is changing. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and this is our next question, which I know this continues to change. Um, so this person wrote, I was supposed to have a doula at my birth, but the new rule at my hospital, I'm not sure if they're in Peterborough, um, the new rule at my hospital is that only one person can be with me at my birth, which will be my husband, and he's not allowed to leave the room once we arrive. Is this typical for most hospitals right now, and is this rule likely to change anytime soon? It's pretty typical from what I hear from friends and colleagues who work at other hospitals. And we do now have a policy essentially along those lines at PRHC in Peterborough as well. So one visitor, ideally that visitor does not leave the room. So pack snacks. Um, and, you know, we get it. I, I feel for everybody who can't have their doula or other friends or family members or support people with them. I really do. We get that it's a really special and important time in your life and having the people you love with you is part of what makes that so special. 
but it's just around infectious precautions and slowing the spread of the virus and protecting you and your baby along with everybody else. Um, and I would expect that any hospitals that don't have a policy of this type in place already probably will. I've even heard that some places are not allowing any visitors on labor and delivery, which is pretty extreme. Um, you know, we've got great internet access for people who are at the hospital. Maybe you can video conference your doula and they can still have a role in terms of labor support and, you know, being, being part of your team, even remotely. Mm -hmm. And actually a question just came in that I think is a great one to go with that is, um, oh, let me see if I can bring that up there. Yeah. Um, that I've heard that fathers might not be allowed in the delivery room. Is this likely to happen at PRH? HC. I'm at the end of my, and I will just double check, I'm at the end of my second trimester due at the end of June. I have not heard anything along the lines of not allowing fathers in the delivery room at PRHC. I don't think that there's any plan to create that um, severe of a policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's super helpful because I think depending around the world, there's been different rules around that, so I think it's helpful to hear hear what's going on. Um, the next question was, I'm six months pregnant. If I have the flu or I get COVID-19, how should I take care of myself safely? What meds or remedies do you recommend? So first I'll just say if you have symptoms and you think you might have COVID, you should go to covid-19.ontario.ca. Um, and there is a questionnaire that you can complete there that will guide you in terms of, do you need testing? Where should you go for testing? Because not everybody needs testing, particularly if your symptoms are mild. Um, certainly anybody who has really severe symptoms, significant difficulty breathing should go to the emergency room. Uh, but with mild symptoms, like many of us will have with things like the flu or COVID-19, it's simple stuff. It's stay home and isolate yourself first and foremost. Rest. If you choose to be apart from your baby, you can still pump and have a healthy adult give pumped milk. Just wash your hands, wash your pump parts. Excellent. Someone wrote who is due any minute now, and she sent this two days ago, so she may have had her baby at this point. Um, are grandparents allowed to visit my newborn at home? So ideally, nobody should be in your home who doesn't live there. Um, that's one of the main principles of social distancing and minimizing spread of the virus. And this goes for all of us, not just pregnant women, not just people who have a newborn. Again, it's really hard. Um, I, I totally get it. You want your parents to meet the baby. Your parents want to meet the baby. That's a really special moment. Um, in terms of allowed, there is not a legal lockdown, but truly the recommendation is that people who do not leave, live in your home should not come to your home for any non-essential reason. And FaceTime, video conferencing, phone calls, I know they're, they're a poor substitute, but that is really the safest thing for you and your baby right now. And if yeah. you're still ready, I hope everything went smoothly. <laughs> and good luck, not yet. <laughs> I think we're all pretty um, glad for technology right now to be able to stay connected. I know it's not the same as in person, but it at least allows us like, for example, with this, that we're able to connect and share information, but connect, especially around birth and postpartum. Another question from someone asking, should someone be trying to actively become pregnant or pursue fertility treatment right now? 
Yeah, so the simplest, safest answer is don't, um, although I'll, I'll put a little bit of an asterisk. And really there's two reasons. First of all, like I said at the beginning, we're still learning about COVID. So, so far as we know, there's no pregnancy specific risks in terms of miscarriage, birth defects. Um, there's, there's a thought that there might be a small increased risk of preterm birth. The jury's still kind of out on that. Um, but I can't rule out that we might figure something out in the future. We might learn something about pregnancy-specific risks in the coming weeks or months that might mean that it's better not to be pregnant than to be pregnant if you have that choice. Um, the other more practical reason is that we know this is putting a strain on our healthcare system. So in that sense, it's kind of not ideal to become pregnant because you are likely to need to access the healthcare system and it may not be full force or able to provide you with all the same care you would have gotten pre-COVID, uh, depending on how things go. Um, so those would be the two very practical safety reasons not to. Um, and I do know that a lot of fertility clinics are actually not providing treatment right now or limiting the treatment that they provide for these sort of among other reasons. I made some notes. Um, yeah. But I, I will just say, I understand it's it's not as simple, right? As like, oh, we'll just wait six months and then we'll try that. And there's a lot of non-medical considerations that do go into the decision to try and get pregnant. Um, and, you know, it's, this isn't going to last forever. How long, I don't know. But we will come through this. And so I'll just kind of leave it at becoming pregnant, trying to conceive, I think should not be something that anybody takes lightly right now. How's mm -hmm. that a big answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like it, it would be a hard one to, to answer because of all the different factors involved. Um, I know I've had questions um, from clients and as well um, have been sent to me is, could you talk about some of the precautions that are taken? So let's say with in-person prenatal appointments, what are the precautions that are taken um, that can just help people just, you know, at least be a little bit more aware ahead of time what may be different um, about their prenatal appointments if they're in person? Right. So one of the biggest things is screening or communicating prior to the appointment. If at all possible, we minimize people coming in um, for in-person visits who are not feeling well, who are having symptoms, even if it's not proven to be COVID. Um, so if you're not feeling well, do let, you know, give your healthcare provider a call and let them know. And again, it's going to be a personalized decision, but it may be that they'll delay your visit or make an alternate plan in terms of how they're going to check up on you in the interest of keeping everybody as healthy as possible. In terms of practical stuff, if you're feeling well once you're there, you know, it starts with things as simple as we've removed a lot of the chairs in our waiting room so that people can't sit right next to each other and they have to be a decent distance away. We've put plexiglass screens up in front of our administrator's desks to minimize spread of cough sneezes, just breathing on each other across that desk as much as possible. We're wearing masks and gloves where we can, um, hand sanitizing like mad. Everybody should get some really good uh, hand cream because our hands are all going to be very dry out by the end of all this. Um, and trying to do as much of the visit over the phone as possible in advance in order to keep that in-person visit really streamlined um, and keep that contact, that face-to-face -face contact as minimal as possible. 
Yeah, I think that's really helpful for, for people to know ahead of time, just so they're a little bit more prepared. Um, and then in terms of when people come to the hospital and they're in labor, what would be the precautions um, if someone's laboring and they have a vaginal birth? And then also people were wondering about if a cesarean birth comes into play, um, what different precautions or what might be different now versus if someone had a cesarean birth um, previous to COVID-19? Right. So and all of this is kind of subject to change. It's an ongoing conversation amongst the management teams and the staff at the hospital in terms of what's the best way for everybody to be well protected. Right now, um, if we're talking about women who have COVID-19 or who have symptoms that suggest COVID-19, even if it's not proven, um, wearing gloves, wearing masks for all interactions, for vaginal deliveries, if things are going smoothly, um, then it's it's much the same. It's gloves and masks. We do take some additional precautions if there's any concern about um, baby's well-being, and we think that there's a chance that baby might need some help with breathing shortly after birth because some of the tools that we use to help babies with breathing can potentially um, increase spread of the virus. So we want to wear an extra layer of protection if that's if that's the case, if that's anticipated. Obviously, can't anticipate everything in labor and delivery. Um, in terms of cesarean birth, if it's a scheduled C-section, almost all of those are done with a spinal, with a needle in the back that numbs you as opposed to putting you to sleep. Um, and that's not a procedure that increases the risk of spread of the virus. Uh, so Again, um, precautions would be much the same. That said, if we think there's a chance that a woman might need to be put to sleep during her C-section, which is a bit more likely if we're doing an emergency C-section compared with a scheduled C-section, then again, we might put that extra layer of um, protective equipment into place because putting somebody to sleep, putting a tube in their throat is another procedure that can increase spread of the virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want to get too 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 technical, um, but, but no, we're thinking through a lot of potential scenarios because there's certainly that element of unpredictability to giving birth. Yeah, I think that's helpful for people to know and to know that it's you know the precautions are kind of constantly changing. The more information that you get um, on the the medical end as well. Um, and another question just came through. This is from Heather. Um, will your hospital stay be shortened and subsequent tests 24 hours post, um, post for baby be changed? So that I think is going to be more of an individualized decision for each mom and baby. There certainly is the option of a shorter hospital stay for women who meet criteria to make that safe. Um, and for any woman who does go home before the 24-hour mark, there will be a plan put in place before you go home in terms of how your baby is going to get those 24-hour um, tests. Those are not, they're not going by the wayside. The newborn screen, the bilirubin, the other newborn tests will still happen. If you do leave the hospital early, then we'll make arrangements for that to happen elsewhere, but it'll happen for sure. Okay. Going home early is something you're interested in. Definitely let your healthcare providers know. We're quite happy to get people out of the hospital as soon as it's reasonable and safe, especially when your preference. Um, another question that came in, this is from Stephanie, um, and she asked, 
if um, this gets worse, is there a chance that epidurals won't be as easily available? I think that's unlikely, at, at least in the foreseeable future. Um, we've got a wonderful team of anesthetists. I'm not aware of any shortage of the equipment needed to do an epidural. Um, I, I can't say with certainty whether or not that may change in the future. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about how this is going to impact the hospital resources over the coming weeks and months, um, but I don't foresee that at this point. Um, and Elizabeth, um, who is in the area, she had a question. Um, I had a hospital tour at PRHC booked for April 22nd. Are these tours still happening? Where can I get info about the tour if I, um, if I don't get this tour? The hospital tours are not happening. Mm -hmm. uh, those were generally happening as part of an antenatal clinic visit, which is something that is offered to all women who will be delivering at PRHC. You chat with one of our nurses, get to see labor and delivery, talk about your birth plan, go through your health history, that sort of thing. Those are still happening. They're just happening over the phone. So questions you have about PRHC, We'll, we'll paint you a word picture as best we can. Um, all of your questions can still be answered. It'll just be over the phone. It won't be an in-person tour. Mm -hmm. And I know too on the website, if people, um, if it's their first time giving birth at PRHC, I know the website has a lot of pictures. If you're curious of what the labor um, suites actually look like, um, that there definitely are pictures available if that's something that you're, you're wondering about as well. I'll see if we can get some pictures up on the Evolve pages. Yeah, that would be great. I think that would be really helpful. Any word about C-sections not allowing dads in the room? I'm hearing that that's a rumor. I know before you had talked about with vaginal births. Um, would that be different with a cesarean? Do you suspect in the future or that that wouldn't change? I don't, I don't see that changing, um, at least at the moment. Um, we have always, you know, pre-COVID-19, we have always asked dads to leave specifically in cases where moms are being put to sleep for C-sections, but that's quite rare and tends only to happen in emergencies. Um, thus far, uh, the plan is still uh, that, it, that it's reasonable and important for dads to be in the room when moms are awake for surgery just as they were in the past. Hey, it's Anita here. I wanted to jump in at this part in the podcast because a part of the Instagram live recording during this part didn't transfer over. So I wanted to let you know what the question is that Dr. Gerster is about to answer. So someone had asked that they are planning a home birth and they were guessing the recommendation is to have as few people as possible attend their birth. Now, this person was planning on having someone come to watch their toddler and was wondering what the recommendations were around this. Whatever you're doing, we, we all should be doing our best to stay away from everybody that we don't live with as much as possible. Obviously, there's reasons why that's not always feasible, but whether you're planning to give birth in the hospital or at home, whether you're doing lots of in-person prenatal visits or relatively fewer in-person prenatal visits, you know, try and keep your distance as much as possible. Remember six feet, right? So depending on how big your home is, if your friend is gonna come and watch your toddler, could that be in another room, another floor, if that's an option? 
um, and still keeping their distance from you and your newborn. Obviously, toddlers are tiny factories as well. There's lots of valid reasons why you maybe don't want your toddler right up in the middle of your birth. So, yeah, there's there's the general recommendations, but at the same time, we have to be practical as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes sense, kind of regardless of where you're you're planning to get birth. Um, so I think those are all of the questions um, that are showing up here um, and that we got sent ahead of time. Um, so thank you so much um, for, for coming on, answering those questions. And I know I definitely want to say thank you. And I know everyone who's watching wants to say thank you to all of the OBs and the doctors, the nurses, the midwives, all of the hospital staff who are working the front lines and keeping us safe as well. So thank you so much uh, for all that you're doing. And thank you, Dr. Gerster, for being on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 